Today's guest is Kelsey Barton-Henry, who is pursuing a doctorate at the Postdom Institute for Climate Impact Research and is a CEO CFFA. And we're going to be discussing how CEOs should engage with their AI teams. I'm Tony Wood from CEO Collaborative Forum, and let's hear CEO Reflects. Hey, Kelsey, very warm welcome. Thank you so much for making the time today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Fantastic. And, and I, I wanted to do this, um, this, this, um, this podcast for a while because we talk a lot um, to CEOs and with CEOs about you need to look at AI or understand at least the impact of AI on your teams. But we never actually say, what might be some of the things that you want to, to, to do? How do you even get started? It, it's similar to in a lot of situations, people might say, hey, go and get a great senior management team or SMT. And they go, well, that's brilliant, but I've never done that before. So how am I meant to know how to do that? So hopefully you can just give us a little bit of uh, an understanding of the, how we would do that. So if we start off maybe right at the beginning with how would you explain to a CEO, how to use AI? Yeah, so I think in perhaps the most general sense, AI is a tool for learning from data to make decisions. Um, there's a lot of different ways that we can learn from data. There's a lot of different data from which we can learn. Um, so that's where things get very complicated. Um, but I think that keeping that in mind as a general overview of what AI does is helpful. So I think specifically for CEOs, um, this means this AI will could work in the areas of like predicting future values of whatever sort of quantity, measurable quanti quantity you have, classifying new data that comes in as different types, or so say you have, you know, different types of clients and you want to know, um, for a new client, what's likely um, their sort of type or grouping similar data together. So basically all things that you can do learning from data, um, AI can sort of automatize and make very good decisions and often makes better decisions, AI makes better decisions um, than humans because it's able to find very complicated patterns. And I think sort of pattern finding in data is what AI is um, sort of very, it's its particular skill. Um, and I think like having that understanding and then going in with an open mind and really th saying like, what are my biggest problems? And like, what is a moonshot idea that would be really cool if we could do? And then I think sort of getting getting started is keeping that perspective, bringing those, those sort of questions um, and then just talking to a data scientist and really, or any specialist in AI, um, there's like a large berth now, um, <laughs> and just talking with them about, you know, your moonshot ideas, the data you have, and and someone who really knows that area um, and really collaborating well with them. So, so I mean, <clears throat> where and who would CEOs talk to? Because obviously, if they're just starting out in AI, they're not going to have a Kelsey which means that how do you get to them? How do you get that first conversation? Do people approach you on the street and say, hey, Kelsey, I'd like to know. <laughs> yeah, well, I think um, I think two things. I think, like I said, like developing like a list of like 
wishes or cool stuff that could happen or just really problems that like concretely that that you need i think is a first step i think a second step is before you even talk to a data scientist is talking to your existing team um like i said uh ai is really based on data and it's hard for a data scientist to like come in and say oh like we could solve this problem you have if you don't if they don't know the data that you have so i, I would first talk to whoever is on your team um, that does know the data that you have um, and how it's stored and what data is maybe possible to get that you might not be uh, getting. Um, so I think that like first your work, your team's work. And then I think, um, yeah, I think in terms of, I think there's a lot of data scientists who are working on a freelance basis or on a consulting basis. I know that like uh, AI consulting is like a whole thing itself. Um, so I think, yeah, then I would just like reach out um, to a data scientist like on LinkedIn or through your networks. Um, I know that a lot of business businesses of many different types are using AI in, in very different ways, um, either as a part of their particular product or just to augment their own um, sort of services or offerings. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, look in traditional channels like LinkedIn to like hire someone even on a consulting basis or you know of course like talk to your friends and see if they <laughs> have, know someone who who works in this area who might at least give you a first perspective on what would be good for you to be looking for because like I said there's a lot of different specializations in, inside AI so it's good to know like oh I'm looking for someone who works with text data or who works with time series right. data got it um what what would that so imagine that someone says so they've listened to this podcast and they've gone my goodness yes i know i need to do it i know i've heard it everywhere but I actually want to know what to do what would that first 90 days from saying i've listened to kelsey um on the podcast i'm now coming back and i'm going to do something what would those first 90 days be yeah so i think um those first 90 days i think so say that we're you know we've managed to like find a, cons a consultant or we've hired someone or you know we're having even a, like a test run um i think the principal like defining factor of a good relationship hopefully with um a data scientist for a ceo would be hallmarked by two things really exchange and exploration so right. i think exchange is really important because in this case the ceo and the data scientists or also along with your team if you have a bigger team are really working at understanding each other so first um the data scientist is trying to understand your problems i think sometimes there's a communication barrier between data scientist language and uh more business language so i think communication is really under is really important and this helps like the data scientists to understand what is the problem that you have as a CEO or what's the moonshot idea that you would like to execute and understanding also how that can be done with the data that you have available. So like I said before, it's important to know what data you have and how it's stored. Um, and so I think the data scientists understanding the scope of the problem is really important, but then reciprocally, also the data scientists communicating to the CEO what are those possible solutions that you can do with AI? So what's possible with the data you have? What's possible with the data that you could get? 
Um, and what's possible with like the AI sort of availability is like, I know right now AI seems like <laughs> magic <laughs> in so many ways. Um, but there's a lot of background and of course, a lot of data mm -hmm. that go, go into that. So I think that's sort of good exchange is really important, um, between a data scientist and a CEO. And I think, and the other thing I said was exploration, um, right. sort of, I think at first, especially when you have a new data set or you have a new, you know, company that you're working with, I think it's really important to, you know, create some prototypes, some proof of concepts. Um, so basically to, for the data scientists to see if the data is sufficient or how, you know, the data can be obtained and, and managed. So I think I would definitely expect within those first 90 days um, that sort of smaller scale projects be sort of executed as a sort of proof of concept or a demonstrable of like, this is the path we could go down. Um, so I think it's, it's partially communication and, and understanding just by talking to the data scientists and understanding their expertise, but also um, sort of, I would expect that sort of small projects, small, um, yeah, like sort of proof of concepts would be really helpful. Right. So in that first stage, <clears throat> if I understood correctly, we're going to start off, we're going to find someone. So we've got to, we've got to have a reasonable budget because we're going to find someone. Once we've found someone, we're then going to look at our existing data, find out where it is in our team. We're then going to get that information to the data scientist. They're then going to explore it and give us some feedback back and forth because it's a conversation, right? And then, and then after we've had that conversation, we're then going to say, right, suggest some mini projects that we could do to gain some value. And mm -hmm. then we're going to go ahead and do them. Do you think that's possible in 90? Um, I think so. I think, I think it, also, I mean, it depends very, very much um, that it depends on the scale of your data. It depends on the type of AI you want to implement. If it's just a prediction, if it's a classification, or if you want to create a chat bot, you know, like, there's different levels of, of, of difficulty. Um, but yeah, so I think that, I think it's, I think it's possible. And like I said, a lot of data scientists do sort of consulting. So if you also just want to start the conversation, it doesn't have to go so far as to, you know, having some mini projects, but I think, you know, I think, I think it's, I think it's possible. I mean, I, I think it also depends on like how your data is stored, how well, you know, your data is stored, where we're all coming from. <laughs> and and that and that's probably a part of the journey, isn't it? It's not just the AI, but it's the data tidy up and getting it into a good form. I mean, is that really important? I mean, because some people say, hey, I can just dump everything into a big bucket and then AI will just learn from it. Isn't that right? I mean, or do we have to tidy it up? It, I mean, it depends what your bucket looks like. If your bucket is an Excel file, that's <laughs> going to be, <laughs> no data scientist ever has really liked an Excel file. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it, and I think this is the biggest thing. Um, yeah. They always say that like, so data science, AI is really fun, um, except for the fact that 90% of it is data cleaning, which is incredibly unfun. Um, yes. Just like, and so I think um, that is definitely important. That like it it depends on the state of your data, and and really like all data is fine as long as there's data. Um, but I think in terms of like a ninety day time budget, yeah, it's if if okay. the data is really difficult to work with, then then ninety days might be short. But if it's beautiful, then it it could be enough time. So.
so, so you, um, you you mentioned that there may be some some things that CEOs maybe have had misconceptions about. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, for sure. I think um, sometimes, I th like I said, right now, I think AI is seen as sort of just like magic. Um, and so I think that is a very common misconception, like in CEOs, uh, CEOs that I've worked with at my previous companies, but also I think in the general population, um, that I think there's an idea that also that AI is always the right tool for the job and that the most advanced AI tool is the right tool for the job. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, um, a CEO that I was working for like came up to me and he was like, I want to implement a neural network. And I was like, I'm not sure that's the best tool for the job you want done. And he was like, no, but I want to have a neural network. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Great, like, don't we all? <laughs> They're sexy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that often it's important to understand that, like, we want to pick the right tool for the job. Um, and we, you know, want, don't want to use a hammer when we should be using a screwdriver. So I think that's a common misconception that the most advanced AI tool is always right, or that the AI tool at all is, is always right. Um, and Similarly, I think that a common misconception right now is that anything is possible with AI. Um, and we have a saying in like the data science community that is garbage in, garbage out, which means that if you have garbage data, you're going to get a garbage AI. Um, so basically your results, you know, and anything that you build on garbage is garbage. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think that's really important. Like the quality of your data, if it's accessible, all that stuff. Um, and yeah, so I think just a general understanding of like AI is super cool and we all want to shoot for the moon, but like we, we need materials for the rocket ship. I mean, it really feels like, it really feels like the early days of the internet in the early nineties and where, where people going, Oh, I, I know I need to have it. I'm not quite sure how I use it or what it's used for or what I can do, but I know I want it. And there was this big, this big push to say, okay, I want to be there. And that led to in the early days of the internet, rather quite a few problems um, with the early Netscape browsers and um, the Microsoft um, browsers and their servers weren't the most secure in the world. Is there a, an issue where we in this land rush, that we're doing towards uh, AI, that we're going to make some of those problems, maybe about data or anything else you can see? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is actually a huge discussion in the AI community right now. And like we've seen, you know, one of the sort of like founding researchers at, um, I think it was Microsoft, I think um, this, I'm like, don't quote me. Um, this this <laughs> no, nobody, Nobody's, nobody's going to, it will be fine. <laughs> Um, but he's really a pioneer in, in the AI world, resigned um, wow. because he was like, I don't feel like my life's work has, you know, now been used for, for good. Or I think there's a lot of potential for evil. And I think um, and this is something we've also seen with the sort of petition that Elon Musk was signing of like, we need a pause so our, our laws can catch up with AI. I think it's a really apt comparison to the Internet because like. Like we've seen, of course, like cyberbullying is nothing that anyone wanted, um, but the internet has also given us so many other things. And I think AI is very similar that um, it's 
it's important that we think about how we use AI ethically. And I think when we were talking about hiring uh, data scientists, I think it is remiss of any data scientist to not address data ethics in their interview and Mm -hmm. like without anyone prompting them. But I also think um, it's definitely a discussion you should have when hiring a data scientist is what do you think about data ethics? How do we manage data ethics here? And and just sort of keeping this awareness alive. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think it's a really apt comparison. And I think that, um, yeah, it's, AI can be super powerful and really helpful. Um, but like I said, it's very much based on the data that is available to it. Um, and it, yeah, it's a, it's a very powerful tool that of course can be very powerfully used for evil. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that's one of the things I kind of wish in the early days of the internet, we'd have added in some kind of subscription or micro payment model rather than having an attention model, because I think the attention model has done a lot of a lot of damage in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. And and I, I was quite pleased to see that OpenAI had a subscription. And so therefore it's now a subscription model rather than having ads in your AI responses. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, to ask two things. One, do you feel that that subscription model or paying for AI um, time is is valuable. And then I'd love to understand what should we be looking for when we're hiring um, an AI or a data scientist? Yeah, so I think, um, I, I guess I would agree that like paying for AI is important, um, like similarly, because the attention sort of model, and I think we've seen this a lot, um, with meta now so all of their products are are very much based on um sort of this attention model and i think that that like we've we've seen sort of how that can be dangerous especially in creating like echo echo chambers that we they want to give you things that you pay more attention to and then you pay more attention to things that you're interested in and then we don't sort of get a diversity of opinion or fact or this type of thing. Um, so I think that's, yeah, that's very important. And sorry, remind me the second question of. Oh, um, so so um, after this, I think maybe several thousand CEOs are going to go and say, I need to start this journey hmm. and I need to be able to talk to and maybe hire I mean, a fractional a, um, analyst or something like that, maybe start at a, a low cost. Hmm. Who should I be hiring? Who should be my my go-to how how do i get that i know you mentioned linkedin earlier but what would be the characteristics of the person you were looking for yeah so i think if you don't know like necessarily the type of outcome you want from from mm-hmm. an ai and maybe you have a diversity of types of data in terms of like long-term short-term words numbers all of this um then i would hire someone who i would call a generalist um so there's a lot of different types of AI and there's people who specialize in all those, those different types. Um, so I would sort of hire someone or look to hire someone who has a diversity of projects in their backgrounds. This could mean okay. recommender systems or dealing with text data that would be called natural language processing or NLP. Um, and someone who might have, uh, you know, 
also experience in uh, something we would call like classification or regression. So basically like, or time series data, someone who has a diversity of backgrounds, if you are sort of unsure as to what your data necessarily works looks like, or if you have a diversity of data, or if you just are not sure what necessarily the type of AI um, you'll need. I think if you do know that you work with exclusively data that is text, or you are really interested in predicting the future, so say you're like, you know, an investment <laughs> um, type thing, then you want to be able to predict the future. Or if you're just really interested in in making like a recommendation system for your, for your clients, I think then I would look for people who have that specific background because those are all AI mm -hmm. tasks. And people will list these in, in their LinkedIn and say like, oh, I created a recommender system for whatever I created a recommender system for. Um, and so I think that they're definitely sort of even just taking a look at like the data you have and in, in Googling like what types of AI are there? Um, and then looking for someone with that background, I think would be really helpful. And like I said, of course, when you're hiring, sort of really be communicative, communicative with someone and see if they have sort of concrete different ideas when they hear about your data and say, oh yeah, we could do this. And, you know, sort of, have someone who has a sort of flexible mindset. And of course, like I said, you know, data ethics is always really important. Um, so I would definitely look for someone who would, who addresses that um, as they, as they talk to you. And, and it sounds really like what you're saying is you're talking, you're wanting a fully rounded person who has um, technical skills, has data skills, has empathy, has great communication skills, because a lot of this is going to be communication. And I think that's, that's very different from a lot of the, the the older definitions that people had from a technical point of view. And I think that the more rounded individual is going to going to really flourish in this. Do, do you think that's true? I think so. I think especially right now, and, I, and partly I'm coming at this as from a like, for CEOs who have never implemented AI or like don't sort of yeah. want a, a more general overview. So this is also why I would recommend like a generalist, uh, like sort of practitioner. But mm -hmm. I do think, I th think that's really important. And I think that like, obviously you have to have great technical skills as, as a data scientist, um, you have to have great mathematical skills. Um, but I think as sort of, we've been sort of, and also that I've seen this in my own career as, AI has gotten more and more implemented under like mm -hmm. a lot of times there's a communication breakdown between this is what we want, or this is from our C level, or these are from our, this is feedback from our clients and like talking to a tech team. Um, yeah. and I think like, and I think there are definitely some companies who have like people who are basically translators between the tech team and, or the data team and, um, basically everybody else. <laughs> um, and so I think that if you can find someone, especially if you're implementing on a small scale, um, right. yeah. So, and I think this was a big thing that I was thinking that like, if you're going to hire like one or two data scientists, you have to be able to like communicate with them and, and them with you in a way that you can both understand because you don't have the luxury of having a data team interpreter if you're starting on a small scale. So look, that's really interesting. Is there any one final word of wisdom, Kelsey, that you would give our CEOs? Um, I don't know. I think be open-minded. I think open-minded in, in many ways, meaning if 
I think it's always great when a when a CEO comes and said, I think this would be a really cool thing that we can do. Like, I'm not sure it's possible. Like, I'm not sure, like, if we have the data, like, that's really exciting for a data scientist to hear sort of this moonshot idea. But I also think reciprocally, like hearing, okay, we don't have the data for that. Or like, honestly, I think it's a better, better you know, question for something that's not AI or a different AI tool. Um, I think that type of open-mindedness is also really um, helpful. And yeah, I think, so open-mindedness, um, sort of this level of organization that is like, these are the data we have or we don't have. And honestly, like, you don't have to do this yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, someone on your team- This is the weekend scone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like someone on your team probably knows where your data is and how it is. Um, so yeah, like work collaboratively with the people on your team who know those answers to the like concrete technical questions that a, that a data scientist will have. Um, and yeah, as always, you know, just really keep, you know, ethics um, in mind and hire people who also have ethics in mind. So Kelsey, look, thank you so much for your time today. I found it incredibly interesting. We could continue on for a long time, but sadly we have to stop it there. I know there's going to be lots of comments and questions. If there are, would you be willing to come back for on a future episode um, to, to answer some of those? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And no, really, awesome. thank you. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a really, a really in interesting discussion. And of course, you know, AI is just really all the rage right now. So it's it's interesting also for me to think about these questions you know as as i've seen ai progress so yeah thank you very much for having me <laughs>